You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Welcome to church this morning. It's so great to see you. If you're here with us live, if you're joining us online, what an incredible honor it is to worship God together. And uh, hopefully you're like me, worshiping God uh, in a communal sense with God's family together, lifting up our voices in song, praying together, standing up, sitting down, hugging one another. It's one of the most incredible privileges we get to have here on earth, and we get to do it on a weekly basis, and it's so inspiring for me to be with all of you here in the coastal region. What an incredible ministry this is. What a great group of brothers and sisters, and just an honor to be here with you. Amen. And I got to say, I love listening to Betty Collins sing. And... uh, we have uh, the, uh, also the great uh, honor and privilege to have had the Collins sisters in the Lifeway ministry. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Betty's sister Bobby is there with us in, the, in Lifeway ministry. Just to hear them all sing together, to hear Betty sing, is just an incredible, incredibly inspiring experience. Amen? Uh, we are actually this weekend uh, have just had a number of meetings with uh, the Mexico Central America Mission Society. And so we've been meeting on Friday and then on Saturday all the, all, all the day through. And uh, we're talking about the churches in Mexico and Central America. We're talking about all the offering that's given from uh, brothers and sisters here in Los Angeles, including here from the coastal region, and how to best uh, make sure that your money, the money that you give, uh, is able to change as many lives as possible. So it's really inspiring to be those brothers, uh, with those brothers and sisters. Ruben de Anda is the chair of that committee, which is really awesome. And he's doing a tremendous, tremendous job. Amen. Y les quiero dar una gran bienvenida a todos los hermanos y hermanas que hablan español del Ministerio Latinoamericano. Uh, yo sé que este, uh, para mí siempre ha sido un increíble privilegio estar con ustedes anualmente en nuestros servicios que hemos tenido anteriormente. Yo sé que lo extrañamos mucho, ¿verdad? Extrañamos mucho poder vernos. Uh, el retiro de Romance, qué increíble que pudimos hacerlo de nuevo en vivo. Y este, qué bueno verlos a todos ustedes también. Bienvenidos a la iglesia esta mañana. Y si nos está visitando también, espero que te sientas en familia aquí con nosotros esta mañana al nosotros estudiar la Biblia. Amén. Well, I do bring you greetings from the Lifeway Church here in Los Angeles. My wife and I get to serve there along with an incredible ministry team and a great uh, uh, group of disciples just like these, but in the central area of Los Angeles. And uh, really cool what we've been doing here as we begin the year. We uh, had, of course, the plan in the beginning of the year with our, our beginning of the year workshop, get things going. And, of course, that was during the time of the Omicron spread. When things were kind of slowing down, it was a lot tougher to meet. We continued to meet in person, but it was, you know, much more difficult for us to even plan a workshop to begin the year and to figure out, hey, get it, get it, get it, uh, our kickoff going for the year. Uh, but what we did is we decided to uh, plan some prayer hikes to go up to Griffith Park Observatory, and this is a picture of uh, one of the days here uh, where we're together. Uh, at Griffith Park Observatory, and it was, it was amazing. We went up with a group of people at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning, and it was a super clear day. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, right at the beginning of uh, February, that Saturday morning was just a crisp, clear day. From the central part of Los Angeles, you could actually uh, be able to see all the way down to the ocean, and you could see islands out on the ocean. And so we, were, we got a chance to go up there with a number of people and just uh, uh, enjoy the view and pray together and walk up together and share and have an incredible time of fellowship. Uh, and just awesome to be able to be together, isn't it? Uh, there's no, uh, uh, there's really no substitution 
to be able to praise God together, to be able to be together, to be able to worship together, and to be able to go up and praise together. So I gave you greetings from the brothers and sisters in the Lifeway Church, the Lifeway Ministry. Uh, they love you. They, they super, super uh, uh, appreciate uh, the brotherhood that we have here in Los Angeles and all that we can do together. Amen. Well, today our message is titled, God Gives. God Gives. And that's going to be uh, the center in our theme, what we're going to center on. And I want us to really uh, go to a perspective of understanding who God is. Understanding His nature, because this is something that our brothers and sisters in the first century were very much focused on. Uh, being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus was much more than just a religion. Much more than just something you did on a daily basis. Or much more than a group that you joined and you happened to participate with on a regular basis. This was about knowing God. It was about knowing who God was, understanding God's nature, understanding God's heart, understanding God better so that they could live out God's heart, God's spirit in their lives. And so what they saw in Christianity, what they saw in Jesus, what they saw in the life of discipleship was the best way possible that they could see to live out God's spirit, God's heart in their daily lives. And so when we think about God as a giver, God giving, we're, we're thinking about a theological aspect that you and I are thinking about who God is and that that concept of God should then overflow into all of our lives, into everything that we do. And I want to begin in John chapter 3 with a passage that uh, I believe we're all very familiar with, but what I, I want to focus on a certain aspect of this passage and then uh, to, hope, to help guide us into our message this morning. Amen. John chapter 3. This is what the, the, the Bible says. Uh, this is what the Apostle John writes in John chapter 3 beginning in verse 14 through 17. It says, Just as the man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son, his Son, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I know we've, we've uh, heard this passage before. It's probably one of the most famous passages, most, most quoted passages in all of the world. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But you know, uh, John says this and makes this statement in reference to what happened here uh, in the Old Testament. And it says that just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So Jesus was making reference to something that happened in the Old Testament. To give context to these words, that God so loved the world that, it, it's, that he sent him so that the world would have hope. Well, let's look at that passage in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers chapter 21. Numbers 21. And this is the, what was happening. Of course, we understand uh, the book of Numbers is a retelling uh, uh, you know, uh, along with Exodus and Deuteronomy of uh, the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. And then now we have the wandering in the desert before they enter into the promised land. In Numbers 21, we have the situation here 
uh, that's going on in the, with the Israelite people. Numbers 21 and verse uh, uh, 4 through verse 7. See here if it switches. There we go. It says, uh, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to, uh, to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They, beat the, they bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when, uh, when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So this is the example that Jesus is referencing. This example of, of course, consequence of the sin of the people of Israel, but they were under attack from venomous snakes. They were in incredible suffering. And so God uh, makes there a, a sign of a bronze snake that is lifted up on a pole. And of course, if you, uh, if you've seen some of the signs outside of hospitals or medical clinics, that is, kind of, that is now the universal sign of healthcare. It's to see a pole with uh, some snakes around it. And you wonder, why is, that, why is there a pole with snakes around it when it comes to medicine? Well, it goes back to this passage here in Numbers. So it references salvation, the salvation of God's people, but it also references healing, the word Rapha, healing in the Old Testament. And so that's what Jesus is referring to. And he makes reference to this a number of times. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own. But I speak what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do what pleases Him. Even as He spoke, many believed in Him. To the Jews who had believed Him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus makes this reference again of him being lifted up. And when this happened, he says in this passage, that then we will know that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, and that he does nothing on his own, but he's in full reliance and dependence and direction from his Father in heaven. And look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Jesus again replies. It says, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is now nearing the time of his death. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it dies. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. 
And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. When I am lifted up on the cross, when I am exalted is another translation for this Greek word. When I am exalted on the cross, I will draw all people to myself. So just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, this is God's dream. This is God's desire that all people will be drawn to him. When you think about this passage, what is the surprising aspect of this passage? Yes, it talks about salvation. Just as, yes, it talks about believing in Jesus. But the key is that God so loved the world. It doesn't just say God so loved people or God so loved certain people. God so loved the world. That is, he gave his one and only son. You know, he, God loved the world. What does that mean? God loves all creation. All of creation. He loves all of creation. Of course, we know from the creation account that every single uh, moment after he created something, God said, hey, this is good. This is good. I did a good job. This is great. And then we created man and woman. He says, this is very good. God loves creation. So we're talking about all of creation. We're talking about all creatures. God loves all creatures. You say, well, even the ugly ones? Yes, even the ugly ones. Even the scary ones? Yes, even the scary ones. Even bugs? Yes, even bugs. I mean, think about that. God loves all creatures. You know, um, I remember when I was a young kid, I grew up in a little town called Mecca. I grew up in a, 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 a family of migrant farm, farm workers, immigrant farm workers in a little town called Mecca, down in the Coachella Valley, down in the desert. And so when you're out in the desert, on the Coachella Valley, you're young, you're growing up, you're kind of trying to figure out stuff to do to have fun. I don't know if you guys did. So I just gave you an example. One of the things that me and my friends got as a gift, like when I was 12 years old, my parents, this, my, this was one of my favorite uh, uh, birthday gifts, was they gave me a BB gun. I don't know if anybody had given your 12-year-old, you know, kid a BB gun. But that was in the desert. I mean, and what was awesome is I just went back uh, because, uh, you know, uh, I went back to visit my parents. And in the backyard, he had 
a, a daisy, an old daisy BB gun that was exactly the BB gun that I had when I was 12 years old. So, you know, you just had to do stuff to pass the time. But I remember uh, we would uh, play games uh, basically bothering and killing ants. And we melted plastic. And I don't even ever melted plastic. You melt plastic, it kind of burns. And then as it falls, it makes a noise. Like, and so we just pretended we're like bombers bombing the city of the ants, you know. And I remember, uh, you know, going to church with my grandma. And I remember hearing about God loving all creatures. And I was so convicted. All I could think about was, was that bombing raid of the ants, you know. All creation, all creatures. God loves all people. Everybody. All of them. And so because of that, God is a giver. See, it comes from the heart of love, of loving the entire world that God is a giver. That is the context. It's not that it says, you know, God gave because of this or just God gave because that's what God does. It's just because of his overflowing love. He gives. You know, all creation, all creatures, all people. And this is God's heart for all time. God's heart for all time is not like God at some point decided, you know, I think it's time that I love the world and all creatures and all creation. This has been his heart from the very beginning. Look at these passages. God's heart for all time. You know, we see here uh, in the book of Isaiah chapter 2, this of course is a messianic uh, prophetic literature that we see from Isaiah. And he says here, it says, In the last days, the mount of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. So God has selected a particular man who became a particular family, who became a particular nation. That was a nation of Israel, through which he set his lineage for what was his ultimate desire and goal which was for Jesus to come and for all mankind to have hope and so when Jewish people read this passage and they thought about their particularness their specialness who they were as God's people they were like hey we are the people of God and now God here through the prophet Isaiah is prophesying a moment when all nations will stream to the kingdom of God. See, that was, that's God's heart for all time. It wasn't that God changed his idea or changed his theology. This is God's heart for all time. In Isaiah 52, later on, it says, The Lord will lay bare his holy arm. In the sight of all the nations, he will show his power. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. That's God's goal. God's desire that all the ends of the earth We'll see his salvation. And we see here in the book of Galatians, this is now quoting, going all the, back, all the way back uh, to Abraham. And this is what Paul says about, about this. He says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. See, now in the New Testament, we see that the first Christians that are baptized are all Jewish believers. But later on, Gentiles, non-Jews, become uh, become converted and the church continues to grow and more and more gentiles stream 
into the church. And so now the church is not just Jew, it's Jew and Gentile. And so Paul is explaining this, and he's saying, you know, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance, the good news, the good news of Jesus, right? That's the New Testament. Well, think about how far that goes. It goes all the way back. There was an advancement on the good news all the way back to Abraham. And he says, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. See, from the very beginning, from the particular man who became a particular family, who became a particular nation, there was already in God's heart all nations. Already. And so all the way back to Abraham, and this is what Paul is saying, hey, the movie that you're seeing now, the movie that you're living, Jew and Gentile, all people coming into God's family, coming into God's church, that movie you're seeing now had a preview, and it was shown to Abraham all the way back. So he sat down in the movie theater, saw the preview, and said, whoa, it's going to be all nations. And it's going to be the guy with a grovelly voice. All nations will show up, you know, whatever the preview guy is, you know. That's what Abraham saw. See, this was God's plan the entire time. God's desire the entire time. What you see today, if you look around the fellowship, I don't know if you notice, but there's all kinds of different people here. And you know what? That's God's desire. It would be sad if we all looked the same. It would be sad if this meeting would just be of one certain type of people. Because God's plan, God's dream is for all nations. Why? Because God loved the world. He loves all creation, all creatures, all people. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 because... What Paul wants to speak to the Corinthians about is about the heart that needs to accompany this reality. That there's a heart that needs to accompany this reality of our understanding of who God is. That because we understand this is who God is, this is his dream, this is what he wants, that needs to affect everything we do. And if God is a giver, then you and I also need to have that same giving heart with the same motive, which is to love like God has loved us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we see this explanation on giving that, that Paul gives to the Corinthian churches. It says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also sow, reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what he, you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless abundantly. We see all these words of God's giving and generous heart. He's able to bless abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I want to give you abundance. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower, he's the supplier, and bread for food will also supply and increase your share of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving 
to God. What is, what is, what is Paul saying here? Is that because God is a giver, because God is generous, there is a reciprocal relationship that we have with God with our own generosity. And so if you look at reciprocal, what does that mean? It means that God has a part to play and we have a part to play. Just like in a relationship, it's got to be reciprocal, reciprocal or, or it's not a relationship, right? If it's just one way, it's not really a relationship. I don't know if you had anybody that you're the only person that calls them, but they don't call you. Doesn't that kind of bug you? Like, dude, why am the one that I'm always calling you? You know, I got to say, I, I appreciate so much Steve and Jackie Marici, and hopefully you guys are grateful to have such incredible ministers of the gospel here in the coastal region, amen? But Steve and Jackie, I mean, they're just such dear friends, and I just love spending time with them. I love hanging out with Steve, and I, I feel like Steve's got my back, and I'm telling you, like, if you want someone to have your back, it's Steve. And then Jackie's even tougher. So if you got Steve and Jackie, you're like, you're doing pretty good. But, I mean, they, they just have such an incredible heart for friendship. And I just love the initiation, the desire to talk, desire to, you know, hey, can we talk? Can, we, can I get some advice? Can we, you know, talk to each other? And vice versa. I mean, just, it's just such a great thing to have a reciprocal relationship. So when you think about God in reciprocity, God is generous, but we're also participating in that generosity. And so we see that happening here in light of who God is. And so we see God's generous heart, his abundance, him giving to overflowing, him supplying everything that we need. Isn't that incredible that God does that for us? See, God is a God of abundance. And so out of his abundance, he gives to all creation. He gives to all creatures. He gives to all people. And that abundance then overflows to that dream for all nations. Look at Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8, it says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? The psalmist sees generosity in creation. He sort of looks at everything, he's like, Man, I look at this and I look at that. I look at the sun. I mean, you and I are going to come out here out of this place in Southern California, just a couple blocks from the Pacific Ocean. And you're going to feel the sea breeze and you're going to look up at the sky and the sun's going to be shining on you. And it's going to be a beautiful day. And you're going to think, wow, this is an awesome place. But the psalmist takes it even further. He looks up at creation, at the stars, at, the, at all, all of the firmament, at everything. And he says, God, I mean, you're just so awesome. You're so incredible. Who are we that you make everything so awesome for us? Yeah. So he sees creation as a gift from God to him. That God is so abundant that it's like, man, it's just incredible. Have you guys ever been on a very dark night where there is no light? And looked up at the stars. And that's like what Abraham saw. When God, when God says, you know, come on outside and look up. See that? I'm going to see everything up there. That's how many, how large your descendants will be. How numerous. And you kind of see the Milky Way. 
be like, this is incredible. God's generosity. In Psalm 36, the psalmist writes as well, says, Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. I don't know what your favorite soda is, but man, I think mine's the river of delight. I mean, he gives us drink for the rivers of delight. You know, it's just awesome to see God's abundance through what you do overflow to help brothers and sisters around the world continue to share the gospel. And there are countless of stories after stories after stories after stories of lives, families transformed because of the gospel of Christ. Because Christ has been exalted, because the cross of Christ has been lifted up and people have been brought in. You know, uh, of course, we were with Mexico, Central America uh, Mission Society meeting and talking. Uh, but when you go down there and you meet with the brothers and sisters and you be with the churches there and you hear their lives, hear what they're, they're doing and, and what's going on, and you feel the kinship of discipleship and even the conviction, right? When you see brothers and sisters living the life of a Christian in a different country and with different challenges and you're like, man, I mean, how do they do it? It's so inspiring. It's so inspiring to see all that God is doing in Mexico and Central America. The Mexico City Church is the second largest church in our family of churches around the world. There are over 4,000 disciples in the Mexico City Church. It is so large. And we're talking about it's not only large numerically, it's large geographically. I mean, it just spreads out. So when you talk about our region, it's not like, you know, you drive 15 minutes and you're kind of in your other ministry within your region. I mean, some of them have to drive an hour and that's still within, you know, what would be here, for example, the coastal region. There are brothers and sisters who are volunteers who have their work all every, you know, all day. They work all day. They come home from work. They have their family. They have their challenges. And they lead a ministry of 250 people. How would you like that your Bible talk to be 250 people? I mean, you'd be, that'd be awesome. I mean, that'd be a lot of awesome food. And there is a lot of awesome food, I can tell you that. But it's, it's incredible. You know, the young people that are out there, we went out to this, this conference, I remember, and uh, it was, uh, 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 the service was going on. It was all in Mexico City Church. And then they started playing this song. And it was kind of like, you know, a really upbeat song. And the, the band was playing. And all the young people gathered right to the middle in front of the stage. And they just started hopping up and down and pushing each other around and throwing each other around. And it was just super awesome. <laughs> just people loving God and having hope in Christ. Amen. Amen. I know that along with MCA, uh, which we partner with as well in Lifeway with you here in Coastal, we also together partner helping out the churches in the Baltic and Nordic countries, which are in uh, Northern Europe and Northern Eastern Europe. And it's awesome what God is doing in those countries that are primarily incredibly atheist countries. And God is changing lives. This is a picture of students that went out there at the Summer Mission Challenge a couple years ago to Estonia, Tallinn, Estonia. And there's going to be another group of students going out this summer to Estonia on a summer mission challenge. So if you want to go to that, you can find out information about that and have a tremendous time visiting the churches out there 
in the Baltic Nordic countries. Amen? A number of years back in Lifeway, uh, I know you guys here also give to the Middle East and you heard some shared about that. We actually uh, have supported uh, missions in uh, greater Eurasia or what is uh, Moscow, uh, the Moscow family churches, Russia, and uh, the uh, countries around the former Soviet Union. And uh, a number of years ago, we took a number of disciples to go out to Moscow uh, to visit and to visit the church. And these were brothers and sisters from the English ministry and the Spanish ministry in Lifeway to go out there to Moscow. And it was just a tremendous, tremendous experience. We went out to a city outside of Moscow called Vladimir. We went out sharing our faith there. That church was just being planted. And so we went out and, and spent time with the disciples there. We actually, all of us split up and, and, and lived with different disciples around Moscow and got to see how they lived. And I can tell you, people walk a lot over there. Like, if you want to lose weight, go to Moscow for a month, and uh, you'll come back, and they'll be like, man, you're looking slim. Because, I mean, everyone's just walking everywhere. Uh, but it was awesome just being with the church, being with the leadership there. And uh, in, in uh, Vladimir, actually what happened was uh, one of the sisters, Mercedes Valdez, she was from the Spanish ministry. She's one of the uh, older women from the Spanish ministry who came on the trip with us. She shared her testimony in Spanish. In Vladimir, Russia, Jose Fong translated it to English. Then uh, this sister Masha translated it to Russian. And that was the communion there in Vladimir, Russia, right? And it was just so awesome. And uh, if you've never done this, go to a different country and hear the songs that we sing, but in their language. It's super cool. Like, you hear, oh, Lord, prepare me. And you know how Russian sounds kind of, like, tough? Like, they're going to beat you up. Like, <laughs> but you hear, oh, God, prepare me, you know? And it's like, oh, God, prepare me. But in Russian, you're like, oh, it sounds really nice. It sounds really awesome. <laughs> yeah, bro, if I would have known. I know Privet, the Pacanet. But it was really awesome. But the last day um, that we were there, uh, some of the, uh, one of the groups, we were in two different groups, they went and spent time with brothers and sisters and they had this big meal that they served for all of us. And so in this other house, they had this big meal and there were brothers and sisters around. And in that place, what they just decided to do was we, they just decided to share their testimony and share how grateful they were for every one of them sacrificing yearly to give their special missions contribution. Wow. And they went kind of like, Person by person. Just sharing, hey, this is my life. Said, Thank you for giving to missions. And I'm telling you, like, at the end of it, everyone was crying. Because you think about what, who are we? That we can participate in God's dream for all mankind. By simply setting aside some of the money that we spend at Starbucks. And it has such a tremendous impact on people's lives. You see, Paul does say it. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God 
for his indescribable gift. His indescribable gift of us being able to give. Why? Because God gives. And God gives because he loved the world. He loved all creation, all creatures, all people. God is a God of abundance for all creation, all creatures, all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But what about us? What about us? Because the reality is that you and I should be affected by God's heart. We should have God's heart living in us and through us because we have the Holy Spirit living in us and through us. Amen? Amen. We're supposed to be living God's heart in our daily life. We can't just be, you know, uh, churchgoers, church attenders, YouTube listeners. We're supposed to be people that are living this every day. In our lives. You know, I, I heard a comedian, uh, a comedian uh, recently, my wife and I were listening, and uh, he's like, you know, um, the other day, I met someone who says, who's uh, someone who's, who's a part-time Christian. They're a part-time Christian. He says, and the, and the way that I know that is because apparently I call them on their day off. Because when I call them, the person on the phone who says they're a Christian started going off on me. And then I said, hey, 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 hold on a minute. I'm a Christian. And then she said, hey, I'm a Christian too. And he says, yeah, I know you say you're a Christian. And I've seen you at the church. <laughs> but apparently you're a part-time Christian. You see, you and I can sometimes be part-time Christians. And compartmentalize our life with God and with Christ just in moments. Instead of living it out in our daily life. You know, what does that mean for us? It means that we need to join God's mission for all nations. And it's more than just giving for special missions. It's more than that. It's that you and I are involved in it in every single day. You and I are part of God's dream for all nations. When you drive, I don't know if you see people when you drive around L.A. or walk around L.A. I don't know if you see people. I don't know if you see people of all nations around. But what do you think about those people? What do you think? Do you think, oh, those are kind of cool people. Oh, that person's dressed kind of strange. Oh, that person's walking kind of weird. Oh, I wish I had a shirt like that, dude. Or are you thinking, hey, these are people that God so loved the world for. That he gave his son and now I need to join God's mission for all nations. Just a few weeks ago, we had Alexei Shurovlov from the Moscow Church join us for a midweek and talk about missions. And uh, as we talked, as we kicked off our missions there in Lifeway, and he, he talked about uh, a story of this one uh, brother who recently died, and he shared the story uh, with in reference to Philippians one, where Paul says, "You know, for me to die." To, to die, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And he shared about this brother because this brother was just baptized a year ago. And uh, he had been reached out for a number of years. He was the husband of one of the sisters in a Bible talk. And the brother who led the Bible talk decided, you know what, I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to give my heart to this, 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 this uh, husband of, of uh, the sister. And he was a sportsman. He didn't believe in God. He, didn't be- he said he couldn't believe in anything he couldn't see. But he was an avid sportsman. So this brother started to kind of do sports with him and even ran marathons with him. Well, a year ago, uh, he was diagnosed with cancer. And that opened up his heart to think about his life and to think about his reality. And he began studying the Bible and he began believing in God and God transformed his heart and he was baptized. He became a disciple. And so this brother continued as he suffered with cancer to run with him. And first they ran some miles. Then as the cancer progressed, they ran some meters. Then as the cancer progressed, they walked some meters. Then as the cancer progressed, they walked around the house. And then just, he just began visiting in his home. Visiting him in his home. And one day that he, uh, uh, this brother was with the Bible talk and he knew he was about to die. He decided to give a gift to everyone in the Bible talk. He brought a special gift that he had prepared and wrapped up and gave it to each one of these their Bible talk menders. This brother's name is Yuroslav. Uh, and uh, the brother was studying the, that studied the Bible with him was Igor. And so he was in Igor's Bible talk and Yuroslav started passing out gifts to everybody, knowing that he was about to die. And he continued to visit this brother. And one day when he visited, he sat down with him and they were sharing stories and they were laughing and sharing stories and laughing. And then he died. He died there while they were sharing stories and laughing. And uh, Alexei was saying, you know, we were talking and we're thinking, that was a good death. If there was a way that I would like to die laughing with my brother in my deathbed, that's, that's a good death. But then he said, but you know what? Any death in Christ is a good death. It's just we don't think about death as a good thing because we're so enamored by the world. We're not enamored by God's unchangeable nature, by Christ's unchangeable realities. We are enamored by an ever-changing world, and we're so insecure. But dying in Christ is a good death. You know, that's what it's all about. It's about a mission for people's salvation. That's what it's all about. And this brother, Igor, told Yuroslav on that last day when he died while they were sharing stories and laughing. He said, hey, Igor, can I ask you a favor? I mean, hey, Yuroslav, can I ask you a favor? And he's like, sure. He goes, hey, I don't know how this all works, uh, but you're about to go to be with God. And I don't know if you're going to see Jesus before I do in the sense that we all will, you know, be met together. You sleep for a while. Like, I just don't know how it all works. He says, but if you happen to see Jesus before me, there's been something that I've been praying for for 10 years and God has never given it to me. (laughs) Can you tell Jesus, hey, can you just answer Igor's prayer? And unless they said, the very next day after Yuroslav died, his prayer was answered. (laughs) And he says, I don't know what that means. But I don't know, he's like, maybe you should talk with brothers and sisters that are about to die and, and give him our prayer list. That's what he said. 
You know, but what does it mean? We got to be in God's mission. We got to join God's mission for all nations. And what does that mean as well? We got to personify God's generosity. Ephesians 5, 1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And assorted authors have said, you can, get, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Amen. So I encourage you as you prepare for your missions offering, as you think about our lives as Christians on a daily basis, that you and I capture God's heart for all nations, for the ends of the earth. At this time, we're going to pray for our communion this morning. We're going to look at Luke 22, and then uh, we're going to take the communion here together this morning. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray for the communion. Lord, Heavenly Father, as you think about your incredible realities and who you are, we so much want to capture your heart. That heart that we see exalted in the death of your Son and exalted in his resurrection. And we want to live into that on a daily basis. We want to live into that mission. We want to be people who are on mission with you, on your mission. And Father, we thank you for your incredible grace. Of all the things that you are generous with, we're so grateful that you're generous with your grace. That you're generous with your forgiveness. That you do not treat us as our sins deserve. That you separate our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And that you love us so abundantly as you show it on the cross. We commune together. We take this, this bread and this cup together. We celebrate you together this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.